What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Episode three of Show and Go with Taylor Davis. I'm Jack McMullen. Today is Tuesday, January 17th. And I want to talk about off seasons today because I feel like um, there is a lot of miscommunication between players, front office, and fan when it comes to how players will spend their offseason. And unless you personally know a major league baseball player or even a minor league baseball player, I feel like you don't really know how these guys off seasons operate because yes, they can put their feet up for a little bit, but that's kind of where they do the bulk of the work and you ride the off season work into the regular season. So uh, Taylor, I'm going to pick your brain about hitters off season, pitcher off season, but first and foremost, how we living? Yeah, all good here, man. Uh, Midwest weather for me, you know, uh, one day it's, it's 60 and sunny and uh, 60 and overcast. The next day it's 20 and sunny. So Yep. Um, I'm just waiting for the entire city to be sick. So, yes. you know. Yes. Are Are you feeling it? I'm kind of feeling it. In no. Just went through it. Are you? Yeah, a little no, bit. No, I'm actually, I've been okay, thankfully. We've been okay. We got, um, it's it's warm today, though. So, like, I'm going to try to spend as little time outside. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're all right. Love it. Hey, I, I want to go, like, hitters first, because obviously okay. you're a hitter. You came up a hitter, yep. and then we'll wrap with pitchers. I know pitchers are in this, in the stage of, like, pitch shaping right now which is the most advanced like crazy thing you could possibly hear it's like what the hell does that mean if a pitcher is adding a new pitch they're kind of working on implementing that pitch right now not at full speed but we'll get to you know the pitcher offseason but first the hitter offseason just from the end of your minor league season or the fall league or instructs until you report for spring training just give me this chronological order of what the offseason looks like for a guy. No doubt. Um, you know, and, and let's start with like, <clears throat> I think there's different classes of people in this. Um, I think that, you know, your first class is your, is your guys that just signed. Your guys that just signed that don't really know um, what an offseason looks like. They know they just played a lot of baseball. <clears throat> they know they have some ideas here and there. Um, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys go back to college that go back to their college town that first off season and do a lot of the college stuff. Um, you you weren't going back to that, Moorhead. You were going to Louisville, right? That's yeah, I didn't where go you're back spending- to, I, did, I didn't go back to Moorhead. No, I, I lived in Louisville. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the first big decision you got to make, and, and this is something that I went through. Um, a lot of guys take us like not a significant amount of time off, but they take time off. They take four weeks six weeks at the end of the season um, and they don't, they don't do anything. I tried that my first off season, uh, not really throwing a ton, not really hitting, just kind of giving it a break first couple of seasons and it didn't work for me. So I, I found that I'm a much more of a rhythm hitter. So I felt like for me, uh, what was going to be the best was like, just hit a little bit every now and again, like just kind of keep that rhythm. So instead of me taking a bunch of time off and then having to hammer it later in the off season, I really just tried to hit a couple times a week. Um, and then towards the end of the year, towards the end of the offseason, ramp it up slightly. Um, you know, I, I think that that hitters, uh, just like pitchers going through, uh, you know, pitch shape, pitch, pitch shaping, pitch, uh, pitch design. Yeah. Um, hitters go through swing changes, you know, like what are we going to try to do in the offseason? So we got to figure out whatever we're going to try to accomplish. And then once our swing feels right, um, it's really about, for me, it's about getting on velocity. I, I love, 
getting on velo, I think getting seeing velocity, it doesn't even have to be a, from an arm. Uh, anything that you can do against, you know, live at bats is incredibly important. But like, you know, these first couple months, you're really just kind of trying to lock it in. Let's get ready, get to Thanksgiving, feeling pretty good. Now, here's where it gets interesting is like a little bit later in your minor league career and, you know, and early in your major league career, you may have some opportunities to go play winter ball. And, right. you know, there's winter baseball in the uh, some of the Latin American countries in the Dominican, Mexico, uh, Venezuela, Puerto Rico. You did it a couple times. You were in the DR a couple times, right? I did. I did the DR. I did one year. I did the first half. One year I did the second half. I did playoffs one year. So like there's and, and that's what I was getting ready to get into is like now you're talking about different windows to try to get ready. So like the first year I went, um, I realized that the, the first half was was really not something that um, I loved because. Well, I wasn't ready for it. Let me say that. But like, because yeah. you go down there and it's right after the season, which is great. So you're still hot. You're still ready to go. Um, but when you get done, when you get back, it's the off season. And so you feel like, okay, you can rest. And the reality is no. When you get back from the first half, you're coming back after Thanksgiving. It's time to ramp up for spring training. Hopefully you're going to big league camp, which starts around Valentine's Day. So like you're going. And if you go for the second half, you can take that little break. You can still take that that little break, and then you're going to go. But the difference is you're going to roll right into spring training. So if you've got a family, that makes it a little bit tougher uh, to, to not be able to come home really and spend a bunch of time with your family if, right. if you've got a family. But uh, so the winter ball kind of throws a, throws a loop into things just as far as, as where you've got to be when you get ready, especially for pitchers, you know, like most, but you, we heard Dylan, um, you know, Dylan Cease, you're going to hear this weekend, uh, who doesn't, uh, had, had, what didn't he say? He hadn't even thrown off the mound yet. Yeah. Um, and there are guys that have thrown 30 innings in winter ball. So yeah, I, I think that's the big difference. Like if we're going to cut, cut groups away, um, but yeah, so let's just jump back now. Let's jump back to the reality, like right now. So like if, if it were, uh, you know, starting in November, start November, I think is when a lot of people really start to hit it. Um, gotcha. that, that's when everything starts to go pretty hard, especially now that the season has been extended. The minor league season has been extended. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm hitting in the cage twice a week, three times a week. I'm playing catch. That's the other big thing is like my first off season, I took, I don't know, six weeks off, eight weeks off of throwing. When I picked up a baseball again, I Your thought I'm probably hurt, man. Yeah. Oh, so my arm's going to fall off. Yeah. So then I just started doing kind of the same thing. Like, hey, like instead of taking all the time off, I'm just going to play catch to no more than no more than 90 feet a time a week, two times a week. So that when I did want to ramp up in December, January, getting to that long toss was fine. Like I was kind of ready to go. Um, that's kind of so as you can tell, that's kind of been my progression as understanding what I liked. Um, I think most people like taking that time off. I think most people like taking that month off uh, and then really just diving into it. So my question now is, you know, how long did it take you to learn how you best function? Because you said a couple seasons, you know, you're trying to take time off thing. And I'm curious, like, all right, swing changes. So two-parter. I'll ask the first one first and the second one second. But (laughs) the first question first um, how many years do you feel like, or how many off seasons do, do you think it takes like a major league baseball player to really figure out how they want to structure their off season to a T? You know, I, I think that 
that number is slightly changing just because the the big leaguers are getting younger and these guys that these college bats and these college arms are getting straight to the big leagues. And I think they're having to learn really quickly what they like and don't like. Um, I think that it probably takes, you know, two or three seasons legitimately. Uh, but the reality is also it's got, you got to get to like where you're going to be. So as far as, um, what's, what's your role? Like if you're a, if you're a big time pick and you're starting pitch, Spencer Strider, like yeah. this is the first off. This is the first off season that Spencer Strider has probably ever thrown that many innings at that high of a um, correct you know, at that high at, of a stress level. So this will be the first off season for me that he's figuring out what he likes at that level. Um, you know, it might not work next year. He may have to do it again next year and 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 change. For the most part, I'd say probably three years within within. You know, you make an, you have an off season. Uh, you go back for the season, something didn't feel right, you make a change. That felt pretty good. By the third one, you've made your tweaks and you're ready to go. I would say by your third offseason, you know what you like and what's going to get you through 162. Like we talked about, you know, with with Mills, it's about getting through 162 when you get to the big leagues. Yeah, 100%. Um, All right, second question, second, like I promised. You mentioned swing changes, um, and and the offseason is the time to implement those. I'm thinking about guys that have totally adjusted what they want to do at the plate. And my mind in recent years is going to the Joey Vados and the Brandon Crawfords, right? These are really veteran guys who said, you know what, I'm going to buy into the power uptick. And, you know, they they made a change that you can see with the naked eye stance wise, but I'm sure there are other changes here. What's the process of going through a swing change? Have you gone through a swing change over an offseason? Not a, not a like overhaul, but I've definitely made, made adjustments, like major adjustments. Um, you know, I think it depends. I think it depends where the, I think it depends where the advice is coming from. Is this something that you want to do? Is this something that the team's telling me I need to do? And by the team telling me I need to do it, is it the hitting coach? Is it the front office saying, Hey, you need to hit for more power. So you need to do something. And then it comes down to, are you going to see somebody? So, you know, I think a lot now, I think there's, there's always been guys that uh, you went and hit with, right. You've everybody's got their, their trusted, their trusted off season guy they hit with, but right. I think it's turned much more into like, there's a certain group of, of people that um, are trusted now that so those, guys go to that certain group. Teacher man is certainly one of them. Um, who, who are the others? I know driveline works with some hitters, right? You got driveline that's working with hitters. Tread, I believe is only doing pitching. Um, um, Cressy is Cressy working with hitters. Cressy's got some, so here's what, here's what it really is. To be honest with you, you're going to hear like a lot of facility names and you're going to hear some names sprinkled in there. And, and why I say that is because I think a lot of these facilities now, the big ones are turning into like coaching factories and they're just pumping out these guys. So I could give you names, but I think the reality is the people that are running these systems are doing a good enough job of finding the people and figuring out what they need to be learning that it's person after person and they're getting job after job. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like for me, when I look at it, I, I see the two big ones that I see from like the beginning were Tewksbury and um, the people in LA, the, the, the hitting coach in LA, the hitting coach in LA, the Dodgers. Um, oh, Van Scoy, uh, Van Scoyich, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got a kid that's a pitcher. He was at Arizona State, I think. Oh, okay, 
Uh-huh. So like him, he was one of the big ones. There's another guy in California, and then and I'm like you know Tewksbury working with Chris Colabello and and those guys and making right. the and Josh Donaldson. Um, those are the first guys that like first names that pop into my head as like the beginning of that process. And then it's just deciding. There's a what is it? A swing doctor, I think in um, in St. Louis. So like there's all types of places you can go. And, and, you know, there's places, there's guys in everybody's town that they, I'm sure they trust and, and work with. But when going through like a major swing change like that, there is definitely a short list that you're deciding to go to. Now, that's got to happen early because, you know, if you're making a big swing, if you're Joey Votto and you're deciding, hey, I need to make the swing change, something you're changing, you're changing a swing that was really successful for a really long time. It was MVP caliber, and you're trying to adjust who you are as a hitter entirely, right? He was going from a guy that never popped the ball up, never really struck out, to a guy that wants to hit 40 bombs and is sacrificing some swing and miss for that. I've actually brought up this. I think this is – I love bringing this up because I think it's really interesting, but People talk about like the human error and umpires. This is just a random Joey Votto thing, but like people yeah. talk about the human error and umpires and like older guy. I think it's well known that like veterans get calls, right? Like right. you're an older dude. You're a you're Justin Verlander. Your chances are you're going to get a call against me. Um, I have brought up that that like you know it made a lot of sense. Like early Joey in recent years has gotten some hate on like TikToks and memes and stuff about like arguing calls. Or, you know, taking a strike. And, and my argument against umpire, umpires give him everything, and I think it used to be rightfully so. Like, if he didn't swing at something five years ago, it was probably a ball. Like, he was, his eye was as good as anybody's in baseball. The reality is, Joey Votto's changed. Joey Votto strikes out now. And that's to say nothing against Joey Votto. I still think he's extremely talented. Um, but I feel like the, like the benefit of the doubt that he got with the umpires has not left him. He still gets some calls here and there where maybe, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not saying his strike zone recognition is different, but I think he swings more. And I think he swings at, at, you know, a little bit more, but uh, you know, I think the swing changes at the end of the day, everybody tries to make a swing change. I think the reality is most guys swings at the end of the year, look the exact same. Right. You know, you're going to, you're going to go back to what you know, for the most part, once games start, you're changing. You're 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 making all these changes to hopefully make a slight improvement in in what you did. You're a major league baseball player. Most of these guys we're talking about were all stars, MVP caliber before that. So, right. You know, you've got your JD Martinez's and your Justin Turner's of the world that like went and made this giant swing adjustment and and went from a guy that was a platoon guy to a guy that became an everyday regular and an all star. So have you had any run-in with J.D. Martinez? Because this is a guy, and I think it's pretty well documented, that he is as hell-bent on the mechanics of his swing as anybody in baseball. And apparently this guy's T-work is the stuff of legend. I have not run into him. So he went to high, you know, he went, he was on, it has to be considered one of the best D2 teams of all time. Yeah. Um, at Nova Southeastern with Miles Michaelis and Mike Fires on the same team and Carlos Asuaje on the same team. Right. Um, but no, I have not, I have not personally run into him, but I know a lot of people that have, and, and that, that what you just said is, has very much been talked about. And like, I remember, um, David Bodie one year started filming all his swings and we're like, where did you get that idea? And he's like, apparently JD films every single swing he takes. And, you know, one interesting piece of this is I think he's just trying to recreate. And, and I said this and I tell kids this when I give lessons, uh, but like 
hitting is so much about consistency. We need to be able to, because we don't get to determine what's coming. So you need to be able to make sure that every single time you get your A swing off, you get the best swing, you get one swing. So like, let's make sure it's the exact same swing every single time. And I think it's really interesting because my first year in pro ball, there was a guy there that was rehabbing his arm and he was a really hard thrower, went to Vanderbilt and high pick. And I remember him saying, his concept of throwing hard was that if I can do it, <clears throat> if I can do it once, I can do it every time. So he was trying to figure out the mechanics of what he did when he threw a hundred so that he could recreate that every single time. Cause he believed that <clears throat> now I think that's tougher to do with pitching, but I do think you can almost do that with hitting. I yeah. think that if you figure out what you do and you have, you know what you do, the big thing here is how how understanding of your movements are you? How understanding of your body are you? I've said for a long time that I think an issue with the with the way that a lot of guys teach and a lot of guys coach is that um, most guy I don't want to say most, but a lot of guys like learn by doing what you think. Not a lot of people know exactly what their body does. Yeah, I don't know what my body does. I could tell you what I think I do to make it look like that, but I can't tell you what I actually do. Right. And I think it's really important to decipher that. And I think JD is a guy that probably knows what he does and has the ability to, to make those moves on the, on, you know, on the fly. And I've heard that Josh Allison's the exact same way. I've heard that he knows his body as well as anybody. Um, One quote I'll give you before we go to the next topic. One quote I'll give you is Albert Pujols when he was young First couple of years in the league, I lived in, I grew up in Jupiter, Florida. So he had his spring trainings there and, um, with, right. with the Cardinals. Right. I remember an interview, I remember a, a TV interview and somebody said to him, basically, like, Albert, you're this young and you are just torching the league already. Like, how are you doing this? And he made a comment. Um, I, I don't want to quote him because this is not word for word, but it was something along the lines of, like, look, I'm not the most talented player to ever play this game, but. I know my swing better than anybody in baseball knows their swing. Wow. And I thought that was really powerful. And I thought that that was something really to take like that. And that goes into all the cliches of, you know, staying within yourself, be as good as you can be. But like, that's one of the best ever to to say that that's what he focuses on. That's pretty right. cool. Yeah. I, I want to jump to a, a pitcher's off season in a moment here, but I'm with you because so many cliches are like rooted in truth and and they're cliches. So they're naturally um, dulled a bit in value, right? It's, it's like a knife that has gotten dulled a little bit and you know, it's a good thought, but you've heard it so many times and it's like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. But you're right. That totally speaks to the cliches. But when you hear that sentiment echoed in a different way, it rings really true. And you know, there are a ton of cliches in baseball about, you know, staying within yourself, not not letting yourself get too big in the moment. Right. Um, I think so many of these guys like embody that. And you see that with a swing. You see some guys in a 2-0 count and they're typically on the younger side, put like an A plus swing on a fastball that's off the plate. Right. And, and you see guys get outside themselves. And I know you came up with a Javi Baez type. And Javi struggled with that a lot, right? You you can see, even if you're a casual baseball fan, you say, wow, that swing looked way more aggressive than everybody else's. I mean, 
what maturity level as a hitter, what what level of understanding your body do you need to stay within yourself in, in every type of situation and get almost a carbon copy swing off each time? Uh, you know, let me let's start with the with the beginning of that and the the swinging outside yourself. And I I think a little bit of that, you know. We have a lot of data in today's game, and I think that one thing you're seeing changing is guys are taking their shots in counts when they should get an opportunity to. Yeah. And and that's not – the thing that, that fans can start looking for, too, is like that's not just 2-0. Um, certain pitchers fall into certain patterns, and we know that as hitters. As catchers, I know that. I got to keep them away from that. Right. And there are times I, – I, I, you know, this is – but there are times that, hey, every – you know, 75% of the time this guy goes 2-2 – he throws a heater. I'm going to take a shot. If I see, if I see heater here, I'm going to take a shot because I know that I can do damage on a heater. Yeah. That's not a count where you might see a guy typically take a, take a giant swing. So I think that's step one of this is like, you're seeing a lot more three Oh swings. We know, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the OO swings, all of the old, like uh, unwritten rules are kind of, as far as swinging goes, is, are kind of, are kind of leaving. Um, but, you know, as far as creating that swing, I think you've got to have a lot of will. You've got to have a lot of will because there's there's definitely times when you get in the box and you're like, man, I got to get a hit here. I got to yeah. get a hit here. And, 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 you know, I used to make – I used to say this, that whenever you're in a slump, a home run, you have to remember that a home run is not four hits. Yeah. A home run is just one hit. So I think that's where a lot of guys like, man, I haven't had a hit in 10 at-bats. If I had a home run here, everything will be all better. Yeah. The reality is if I hit a single here, it's the exact same thing as a, as a, as a Homer. And then I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I might be back. Who knows? You hit a Homer, you're probably back too. Let's be honest. Right. But like, you know, uh, but I do think that's like one part of it is, you know, you start searching for that home run and it just gets farther and farther and farther away. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so I think that's kind of like the, the path you can fall down. That's, that's dangerous. Got you. All right. Beauty of talking to a catcher is I get to hear about pitcher off seasons too, because you deal with them all the time. Um, yeah. You know, we are in the new school of pitching and I think everybody knows that right where we are in the the drive lines and treads and everybody that we just mentioned. And, you know, we, I'm sure we've got some guys in the, in Seattle right now at, at the driveline facility. And I bet you they're not throwing 95 miles an hour if they sit 95, you know, occasionally I just saw a report on Twitter that Granky is up to like 92, which is freaking awesome. I love that. But, you yeah. know, for the most part, you've got guys that are not throwing in hundred percent. You've got guys that, tend to sit 95 to 96 during the season that might be at like 85 to 86 right now. I'm curious what the progression is for pitchers. And I bet that time off at the beginning of the off season is so much more important for them than it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pitchers. I mean, I, I would say, I would go to say that almost every single pitcher needs to shut down at the beginning. They need to shut that arm down. I don't know that medically, but I would say that almost every guy does. I would say very few guys don't stop throwing. Right. Um, Talking about guys throwing hard, though, I don't know if you've seen the past couple of days, but Mitch Keller's in uh, at tread just dicing again. Dude, Keller Keller was ninety eight to one hundred one in pens this uh, this off season, this past off season. I know, and he's doing it again. And Damn. the stuff is a joke. You know, Mitch has always had the stuff has always been electric. Um, but yeah, so I think I think the beginning, the big, like you said, the beginning time frame is is a little bit more important to take that break. But what that also means is, is I think that a lot of a lot of pitchers really focus more on getting their body ready right there, and not not lifting, but like let's get our body right. Let's figure out where we tweaked, where 
did we tweak during the year? What do we need to, they are so much more, not robotical, but the, they, they do the same thing. They, it's so much more repetitious. Like they, they, the, the same moves, very similar moves every single time, right? Like we swing, we run, we have to move in the field. Pitchers are doing for the most part, they're making that, that same stroke every single time. So, they're going to feel something if it's tweaked when they do something way more in my mind. Yes. So they can be way, way better with that at the beginning of the offseason. Hey, let's really clean this up. Uh, and then when they dive into it, it's, it's much more of a get my arm ready first. I think hitters can dive straight into it, right? Like hitters, I'm going to go in the first day. I may hit a, hit a little bit, but then like after that, I can go straight into work. Yeah. Pitchers can't necessarily do that. If I haven't thrown for a month, I'm not going to be able to throw to about for a, in, to about 60 feet the first right. time we play catch. And so I'm not going to be spinning curveballs in. Um, I think that, you know, like we talked about, like it's now we got to go back to the winter ball guys. Like, look, if you're trying to play winter ball in October, you're going to be on a little different schedule than the guy that's trying to Dylan Cease that's not looking to pitch until the middle of March. Right. Um, that's another interesting aspect is like, the the you know the like the playoff teams the World Series teams they're not throwing for the most part they're not throwing like the Yankees probably won't throw Garrett Cole till the middle of spring training um, they'll get him they'll get him ramped up he may throw an inning here or there but like he's not going to go out there and start Mitch Keller might throw opening day for the for the Pirates in spring training right, right. Um, that that's one difference that I noticed going from Chicago and and you know a little bit of that is like they're playing later in the year those guys need more of a break um, but. I, I'd say by the time most guys get to spring training, they've been off the mound a few times. Um, starters, starters are getting off the mound early, right? Like starters because if they need to be built up. Yeah. And now with the way that today's game, day, like game is, you don't necessarily know where you're going to be. So these guys are getting used in such different roles and these hybrid roles that everybody's got to be built up to four innings basically um, by spring training. So unless you're, you know, uh, Liam Hendricks or your uh, Josh Hader, you know you're throwing one inning. You're going to try to be built up to three or four to at least make a push at at trying for a rotation job. Right. Um, so I think those guys are getting on the mound a little bit earlier. But I would say, you know, most guys are trying to get some data early on their like, hey, like let's let's really early. Let's try to get some data when I'm 100 percent throwing. And let's see what the ball's doing. Is the ball doing what it's supposed to be doing? And if, as long as the ball's doing what it's supposed to be doing, as long as your body feels right, you can just continue to move forward at a, at a pretty standard pace, um, just like you would prepare any week for a start. Yeah. R- Rapsodo is probably the best thing to happen to pitchers in a really long time because that is your opportunity to see how a pitch is is looking shape-wise, right? And you know, spin efficiency wise and, and things like that in an off season, right? All you need is an iPad and, you know, the Rapsodo setup and, and you're good to go here. So I'm sure that a lot of guys are doing that. If you are implementing a new pitch, it's almost like learning a new dance move, right? Where you do it at slow motion and then you get a little bit quicker and then quicker and then quicker and you're building up to game speed, right? You're building up to full speed. What's that process like if you are trying to implement a new pitch or maybe a, like a better iteration of your pitch, a better version of a pitch that you want to improve on for next year. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, like I watched a guy do that this year during the season. We had Eric Handhold kind of implemented like a new little slider towards the end of the year. And 
what I'll say is that I think it happens slower, but what I think happens more often than not is like guys are learning pitches and another cliche here um, for our young listeners. Like the one thing I want our young listeners to take from this is that some of the cliches that you're hearing, they're things that big leaguers use. They're things that make big leaguers better. And so like one thing I'll say here is playing catch and like, yeah, I can't tell you how many guys go out there and it's not a joking around playing around, but it's playing around with their pitches. It's yeah. starting to understand their pitches and, and what they can do with the baseball. And how many guys – I can't tell you how many guys have found a pitch just playing catch. And so, like, this year we were – I was playing catch there at Canthold, and he kind of made the slider a little smaller. So, I think in the offseason, guys are doing that more often. Hey, when we're playing catch, tell me what this looks like. Okay. And like you said, there's, there's two things, right? Like, Rapsodo will tell you what the ball's doing, and then you also need a hitter to tell you. What does your pitch do? Like 100%. we always say, the, the the pitch, the hitter will tell you ninety percent of what you need to know about your own pitch. Uh, <clears throat> but without hitters having Rapsodo and having an understanding of what other pitches do, you can figure out if it'll work with your stuff. And I think that that's a big piece of this. Is guys for a long time have talked about what are my what are the best things that I do and how can I implement those more? What are the worst things I do? Let's take those out. Yeah, and having the rap Soto to help you with that is such an incredible tool and track man and, and, and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think the last step of that is happening now. Like a lot of these guys now are getting live ABs. They're getting to see what, how hitters react to these pitches. And that's as big as anything they've done all off season. You know, I'd say half the pitches that have been created this off season are getting ready to get banged because they're going to go throw these in these, in these live BPs and they're not going to work. Or, yeah. you know, a guy's a guy's going to look at it once and it's go, man, that's, that just doesn't play with your stuff. It could be a really good pitch, but it's so different from anything you throw that I, I really just don't see how you could use it. The last piece of this is once you've made that new pitch and you've made that decision, the first question I always ask guys, especially guys that have a really good pitch or guys that are really good pitchers, if you're adding a pitch or you're changing a pitch, the first thing I say is what are you going to throw less to throw that one? Yeah. Guys don't always think about that. Right. Um, you know, a lot of today's baseball, especially for relievers, what's my bread and butter? What's my best pitch? How do I get back to my best pitch? If my best pitch is a sl- uh, the guy that I love to like use just because statistically it was crazy two years ago was Whistler. Matt Whistler yeah. threw like 80 or 90% sliders. Yeah. I think so, it was 91% sliders with Tampa. Yeah. There you go. So he was truly, how can I get back to the slider? Now, he was an extreme example, but a lot of guys, guys that throw 70% of a pitch, like, hey, how can I get back to that pitch? It's not necessarily making another pitch that's better than that one. It's how do I make that pitch better? So a good example of that is Carlos Rodon, right? And when Rodon started working with Ethan Katz, and we talk a little bit about Ethan Katz with Cease on the Friday episode, um, when when Rodon got with Katz, Rodon needed a taste breaker. He didn't have one. It was fastball slider. And regardless of how good the slider is, you know, as a starting pitcher, if you're trying to go six innings, it's hard to survive on two pitches unless they're like Christian Javier, where you've got a 2,500 RPM fastball, and then you've got this 3,000 RPM slider, and they work off of each other beautifully. Rodon needed a pitch, and Katz had him experiment with a curveball. 
that's, you know, five to 10 miles an hour slower than the slider and obviously has vertical drop. It's almost like that hammer type. And it's not an out pitch. It's not really a swing and miss pitch. But what Kat said was mix that in five, six times a game. And as soon as Rodon started doing that, that's when things really shot up for him. So it it might be finding a taste breaker like that, where it's a B grade pitch. You don't need to invent an A grade pitch for you. Hundred percent. You just got to find something else. If you've got if you've got a up to down curveball, if you've got a big twelve six curveball, and I can get something moving side to side just to just to a change of pace, I don't even have to throw for a strike the yeah. majority of the time. Um, now, one thing that is interesting is you know. With all the data, you've got to be sure that you know that you're not falling into patterns with it. You're not only throwing it OO. You're not only throwing it O2 for a ball. There's a lot of times that if if you just dive in on a guy and you take 15 minutes, especially in the minor leagues, and the big leagues, they're, they're really good about making sure they're not doing it. But in the minor leagues, a lot of times, these guys will have you know a pitch that you'll see, hey, this guy throws four pitches. Well, one of them, he only throws OO for a, a get-me-over strike or O2 for a ball. Right. So I can basically discount that, right? Like I'll give you strike one if that's what you are going to do with it. And I'm not going to swing it to the other one. Um, but it's, it's figuring out that mix of, of what do I need to make my stuff just look better? And that's where the pitch design stuff to me is so cool. And I think that, you know, it's eventually our, our technology is going to get good enough. I think that you're going to be able to like input a freaking hitter's brain in there and be like, all right, what is this guy thinking while I'm, while I'm freaking throwing these pitches. Yeah. Um, but you know, like the, that's one part where people try when they're, when they're using Rapsodo and TrackMan to try to figure out how these pitches will play off of each other. And I want guys at home to take that and use that. It's an incredible tool, but even more so like, what are the hitters doing when you're throwing these pitches in, in real life? Yeah. The Rapsodo may say you spin it really well. The track man may say it has this movement profile and it may work off your stuff really well, but if you're throwing it in games and it's not working, yeah, we need to make an adjustment. Hitters tell you more than Rapsodo does. And, and, you know, I'll die on that. I'll die on that platform too. Like I, I think that, that the game, and that's one aspect where, don't get me wrong. You can tell a lot about a pitcher from from Rapsodo, and and it and it can be really impressive. It can be not impressive, but at the same point, I can still wow you on the mound either way. Right. Um. You can you know and and I think that guys at home, I think kids now, what that's the one thing about like watching baseball is like some of these guys are are uh it's it's so they they think that major league players are so focused on the spin rates and on the movement profiles. They are focused on that. But they're focused on that because they have a group of individuals around them telling them how that will make them better on the field. And yeah. if it's not working on the field, they're banging it. They're, they're scrapping it. They're figuring out something else. So kids at home, something that I want you guys to take is like, look, if it's not working on the field, let's let's make a change. Let's let's figure out how we can, even if Rapsodo tells you it's good, if a hitter's taking you 450 dead center, it's not good. Yes, uh, yeah, 100%. Great point. Um, you know, Cease has some incredible data. And I think Cease will be the first one to tell you that he is in the business of outgetting. He's in the business of beating the guy 60 feet, six inches away from him. Uh, that is the case with every single guy here, right? Edwin Diaz, I'm sure the data says wonders about his fastball and his slider. 
he's just trying to strike MFs out, man. Like that's all he's trying to do. Class A, same exact thing. Had a great conversation with Reed Detmers a couple years back. Reed Detmers, 10th overall pick for by Anaheim in 2020, you know, threw a no-hitter this year, uh, really ticked up in the second half, figured out a slider. You know, he, he looks like he's going to be a real part of this Angels rotation. At Louisville, he was 94-95. He had a good slider. He had a decent change. He had a great curveball. He had three speeds that he was working with. And instead of preaching the analytics and this guy, you know, I, I got to know him on the Cape. Uh, shout out the Brewster Whitecaps family, Taylor Davis. Brewster Whitecaps. Yeah. But um, no, I, I got to know him on the Cape. And like this dude was filming every single pitch he threw in bullpens. And, and he was watching back every start that he made on the Cape because, you know, he's very interested in video. He was very analytically driven. But as simply put as he could, he said, listen, I've got three different speeds. All I'm trying to do is get like 18 outs in a game like I that the, the data is an avenue to get those 18 outs. And I think that all these hyper competitive pitchers in Major League Baseball know that. And I hope the younger generation knows that as well. So last yeah, thing. And I think. Yeah. Well, the, well, yeah, I'll say this, too, is like. Go look at the best pitchers in baseball, like one thing that the best pitchers, including starters nowadays, um we all like to talk about, including me, about starters needing that third, fourth pitch. The best pitchers in baseball are exploiting their best pitch. One thing that I've said the Rays do, I think, better than anybody else, is when Rays get arms, so many people, when they trade for guys or, or develop guys, it's like, hey, let's add this pitch, let's add that pitch. I actually think the Rays, for the most part, take a pitch away. They may not actually have you stop throwing it, but you're not going to use it a ton of, in, in the game. I think they say, look, man, Here's your here's your pitch usage. Here's what you're really good at. Here's what you're not great at. Let's exploit what you're really good at. And this is where I think that they do it the best. This is why I think they do it the best is because not only are they saying, hey, here's what you do really well. Let's exploit that. But I'm going to put you in a position to succeed doing that. I'm going to put you in the part of the game where your two-pitch mix fits with the next five hitters so that I can be sure that that's where you need to be or whatever it is. But like, Spencer Strider is Jacob DeGrom's. Now, obviously, those guys are outliers, but those guys are throwing two pitches. Um, you know, you go look at Kyle Hendricks. He's throwing three pitches relatively to very, very similar spots on the box. Yeah. You break down his, his pitch. And I remember, like, uh, Martin Perez. But they talked about I, – I watched a TikTok. It might have been you guys talking about the the, the neck beard. Was that you guys? Uh, I don't remember. Probably not. Okay, have, have you have you seen it? They're, they're calling it like the neckbeard approach. And they said no. Dallas Heichel did this too. And so basically it's just everything is under the zone. It's the beard of the zone. It's like around the zone. It's like the edges, obviously. But yeah. they're throwing the balls where they're – they're throwing the balls where they're getting the, re the results they want. Um, but it's a limited spot and it's limited pitches. So, like, don't be scared. If it's something's working, use it. And use yeah. it until it doesn't work. Shit, dude. Dallas Keuchel won a Cy Young doing that, right? Yep, he did. He, Throw as good as you can for as long as you can. Exactly. And I'm thinking about a guy like Glasnow. Tyler Glasnow has a changeup. Most he's ever thrown it in a year is like 5%. I, I mean, you're going to say five times. Oh, no, no, no. But like, That's you know, there are some where you, you pull up pitcher list and you see changeup 1%, changeup 2%. Yeah. Like, He's got it, but he doesn't really use it unless he does need a taste break from that fastball, curveball, slider combination. Last thing for me, I see Screwball and Tito's over your left shoulder. Um, what is that? Is that Tullamore Dew over your right shoulder? 
No, that is uh, we got a couple Blantons, nice. a couple Wellers. What's um, what's your drink of choice? Um, I used to be a whiskey guy. Uh, I don't know. I've kind of gone through phases. I'm not like a real. I went. I live in Louisville, so like I really should be like I'm, I'm in bourbon country. I really right. should be more. Um, I would say like a, a either so either a nice glass of whiskey, bourbon yeah. preferred, um, or like steakhouse glass of red wine. Yeah, yeah. Loving. A, I, I love a good glass of red wine. Um, but yeah, probably like. I mean, like go to if I'm just like at a game or something. Yeah, like a Jack and Diet or something. Yeah, like, like, right. like, I don't know. you you and I tick similarly here. I I love uh, myself it's... like a like a whiskey ginger bourbon on the rocks is like yeah. my go to right if I can just have some R and R bourbon on the rocks, um and then yeah a nice glass of Pinot Noir with with a steak or something like that even shit I I didn't even like drink I didn't really even drink wine until I got to the big leagues and then I started going to these steakhouses and it was like man I felt like such a loser ordering a Coors Light at yeah the can steakhouse. I get a Miller. <laughs> Which I'm probably going to get so much so much hate for saying that, but like I I just felt like I felt here's what I felt I didn't feel like a loser I felt unsophisticated yeah I'm like fair. man I'm getting ready to I'm getting ready to pay a hundred dollars for a steak like I gotta look I gotta look good here right you do have to look good hey, well and you probably had your shoulder back at the time right oh come on everybody what they call it last year they call it like my hype my hype beast bag or something I'm my yeah I got I got a bag I look like Alan from the office during the season or Alan from uh the hangover during the season yeah from the it's not a it's not a purse it's a satchel right yeah it's a, Indiana Jones carry yeah exactly so that's your go-to thing Taylor this was good man we got Dylan Cease on Friday